brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast with your co-hosts Matthew Davis and Matt Kupferly. And welcome to episode 26 of the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Matthew Davis and today is Monday, January 4th. And I'm joined as usual with my partner in crime, Matt Kupferly. And we're going to be talking about Fantasy baseball busts inside the top 100, along with bargains outside of the top 200 when considering NFBC ADP. Matt, how is your 2021 off to? Uh, going good. Good to talk to you. Um, no, everything was good. Uh, pretty quiet holidays, like I'm sure most people are. And I think we joked a little bit on the last podcast that once the calendar turns for me is when I really start to ramp up. My draft preparation with fantasy football slowing down, winding down. Um, now I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm getting that itch and getting ready to uh, hit draft prep and some drafts pretty hard. So how about you? How was your uh, – was everything pretty low-key for you guys as well around New Year's? Yeah, we – I've had the last five days off. This is my fifth day. So it is Monday, but I do not have the case of the Mondays. However, I will going into uh, Tuesday tomorrow, returning back to work as your regular mailman. But I've, I've spent the last five days pretty much at home. We have not left but one time, and uh, we've just been watching movies, building fires, staying warm inside of our house. And um, I've been planning a trip to Cincinnati, Ohio, so I'll be out there in six weeks and potentially looking at some homes and properties over there. So maybe a big move is on the horizon this year. So this, this year could be a big, um, a big, chapter, big chapter and a big t- um, you know, stake in our timeline, but... Um, nothing's guaranteed and we're just kind of playing it by ear, but that's something that we are pretty eager and looking forward to doing. And so 2021 has a lot in store for us, um, outside of the fantasy baseball world. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, big, big things going on. We're, uh, I think we're both excited to get rocking and rolling from a draft perspective. I haven't entered a whole lot, but I've been seeing a bunch of our friends in the community posting about their drafts. I saw, uh, Matt Modica has been putting up a bunch of draft champions leagues. He's into, um, I know you organized, uh, a, a co-owner league, 
that I'll be participating in uh, that I'm looking forward to. So really uh, looking forward to this show and diving into the topics and uh, going from there. Yeah. So I got to ask you, I heard, I heard you on uh, Matt Williams podcast yeah. and you did a great, you did a great job and I'm, I'm sorry, apologies to who was the other guest that was on that podcast with you? Oh gosh. I knew you were going to say that and I'm completely drawing a blank. <laughs> Is his last name Riley? Maybe? He, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Hold okay, on. Okay. Well, now I'm apolo- asshole, apologies. But... Yeah. You find, you find that and I'll keep asking the question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned when you started to draft, and I, the first the, the first episode that we did of the beginning of this year, I think mid-December, I asked you that as well, and you said that you don't start to actually truly do a draft, so even if it's a DC or a, a Rotowire OC, you don't start doing those until early February, but you mentioned how you've been seeing draft boards on Twitter, and you've been looking at some of them, and you've been DMing me, and we've been kind of looking at them ourselves, and... You've been noticing guys that are going way too early, in your own opinion, of course, and then some guys that are going way too late, in your own opinion. When seeing that kind of stuff, do you hold true to your February draft date or this type of year? Maybe you're more um, more confident than usual in that kind of market. Are you going to dive in early or do you stick to um, that early February yeah. date? First of all, shout out to Jim Riley. Good call, man. Jim, Jim Riley. was Riley. Yeah. Okay, so we didn't totally yeah. fuck that up. Shout yeah, out, Jim no. Riley. Yeah, no, Jim was great. Matt uh, Williams, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, so far I'm sticking to it. I think the biggest thing is for me, you know, I've been, I've been going back and forth on that. You know, I think uh, one of the things I think I've learned over the last couple of years is that I'm very comfortable in a 12-team format, um, especially the online championship. I'm less comfortable in a 15 team format. So I'm definitely expanding my horizons. I know you've been giving me trouble about joining uh, the main event. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be in the main event, but I am very sure that I'm going to be doing some draft champions leagues and, or some satellite or main event qualifier leagues. Um, and as I'm thinking about the, when you to are going to be in the main event. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I think the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, I am trying to gain some clarity around uh, closer situations, around free agents, et cetera. Now, that goes both ways, right? Um, ambiguity can be your friend or it can work against you or it can be kind of a combination of both. I think for me, um, I'm probably still going to wait, but that itch is getting itchier and itchier every day, especially when I see you know people putting things up. And I feel like I've got a good grasp of the player pool. I don't necessarily think I would mind doing a draft just to continue to refine what I think the player pool is. And then of course, once you get into a draft, everything changes. Right. So, um, but I think I'm going to hold off for a few more weeks. Um, you know, the other thing too, is I don't know that we have a whole lot of clarity yet on when this season is starting. And so I don't know that that necessarily changes how I would draft, but I do think I would like to know, you know, if I'm going to be drafting in Las Vegas in mid March, I think I'd like to know if I'm drafting for a season that starts roughly April 1st or if it starts May 15th. And I just don't have a whole lot of clarity on that yet. So I think that's maybe part of my reluctance um, as well. So I don't, does that bother, does that bother or affect your decision-making process at all or not really? Yeah, I've actually, uh, this is, this thought's been in the back of my head for a little bit now after I've been hearing rumblings about the season not beginning on time. So if it's not the end of March or early April, the first week of April, what if it's the first week of May? And I know friends uh, throughout the industry, we've already started booking main events. And I know people that have reserved seats in the Diamond and Platinum Leagues, which are $10,000 and $15,000 entries. 
and we've already booked our flights and our hotel rooms and everything's on our on our end as a fantasy player, which doesn't mean shit. We're just a, a nerd playing a game for money. Um, but anywho, we ha- do have lives and schedules, and we've booked that uh, based on the NFBC putting those at, as the dates. Those are, you know, uh, I, I'm assuming those are the dates, but, I mean, everything could be tentative. What if, like you said, the, the season doesn't begin on time and we – the, what if opening day is May 1st and we're drafting still at the end of March? There's still a gap there of four to five weeks, and that's tough when it comes to those live events. And I just mentioned how much those entry fees can get up For to, sure. and yeah. that can play an impact. Um, but we discussed on our first podcast, um, on the flip side of those things, you know, guys that would rise, guys that would fall. <laughs> and and on this one, we're going to talk about guys that we think won't earn that top 100 or or earn certainly, you know, inside that are going outside of the top 200 and they could earn possibly top 100 mm-hmm. value. Um, and that's all that, that all, that also does come with, you know, the right time in the right place. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the MLB. I, I do have in our notes, I, I know that the national league itself did finally actually send out a memo to those teams saying, do not plan on a, a, a DH in 2021. Um, in the future, that in within five years or so, that's probably going to be a thing. But as of this year, it's not. So something like that we might be able to plan for um, in advance, and that's fine. But there's still things that will occur in four to five weeks. If we already have our diamond teams, our platinum teams, 2,500, you know, your super auction team, your main event team, even let's just say a main event team, and you draft that on that main Saturday in Las Vegas, and then we're still waiting another four to five weeks until, you know, actual go time. There's pitchers that are going to get hurt in spring training in these ramp up games, and there's going to be hitters that go up or down, whatever whatever you want to call it, and and it's all within due time, and that happens regardless of the situation. It's just something always occurs in four to five weeks. Things are going to change. It's inevitable. It's the only thing that we're guaranteed in life besides death and taxes. So. I'm concerned about that, but I'm going to roll with the punches. I rolled with the punches last year. I had five NFBC main event teams. I split some of those with my partner, Zach Betancourt. And you, if you're wanting to play and you're going to play, you just got to go. You, you have to be ready to roll with whatever. So whatever Greg and Tom decide to do, if they decide to do it in March and the season is in May, um, all health things aside and pandemic and COVID things, um, I'm currently planning on going with plans, um, you know, future plans in process after that when I return home. So for me, I've had enough time missing 2020 and, you know, figuring things out, delivering the mail and being exposed and being out in, in the, the public. I'm going to I'm going to plan on going regardless of those dates, but it will have an impact. And I'm hoping that the MLB just decides to do things on time as usual. But if not, and the NFBC doesn't change their events, I'm still going to be playing. And that's just that's just the nature of me, not the nature of yeah. the beast, but the nature of my own beast. And yeah. I don't blame or doubt anybody if they decide I don't want to play, I want to back out. That's to you and your own. You have your own you have your own life to decide what to do and if you feel there's an edge or not. But like I always say, regardless of that, there's going to be an edge. There's going to be an edge four weeks out, five weeks out, if you're drafting a week before. It's just always putting those right pieces to the puzzle and figuring the things out from there. And, you know, and a lot of that still be, comes with fab, so – yeah, I just I'm sorry for that long. We weren't even planning on no, you're fine. about that, but um, yeah, I will be playing regardless. Count me in. No, that's that's awesome, and I and I think I'm playing. It's just a matter of when do I draft, right? Um, 
And that's the hardest thing. I think especially, you know, part of it is me just knowing where I'm not as skilled or comfortable and I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm competing and competing well. And that's the part part that I'm trying to figure out, but glad to hear you're, you're bullish on it. I am too. Uh, hopefully we get some clarity on it. I just want to fucking play man and hang out with my friends again. (laughs) Yeah. I I know that sounds, I know that sounds, sounds really selfish, but, um, I, I was already telling my wife, um, and, and you know what? I might not even show up to Vegas. Let's say those dates are still the same. I might just do everything online and remote again. Like I did last year. Um, yeah, we we weren't given the options when it came live event time because everything was canceled. But let's hypothetically say that they do have those and there isn't a comfort level for me. I will still participate regardless of opening day. But maybe I don't show up uh, to Vegas or sure. wherever that may be for the live event. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of ways to attack that when the time comes. OK, yeah. I have a couple random questions for you. So I, I initially said Happy New Year. At the beginning of the show, when, in your own opinion, is it too late to be saying Happy New Year? Like, if have you heard somebody say it to you in February or maybe <laughs> a few weeks after was, January? Or like, yeah, when is the that's cutoff my cutoff? Like? Actually, January is my cutoff. After January, you don't need to keep saying Happy New Year to me. But okay. no, typically okay. so the full calendar uh, of January. Yes. Now I will write the year incorrectly until at least May on like checks or anything else. That that's a given. Um, but no, I'll give you until I'll give you until May to correct it. So I'm sorry, I'll give you until February to say it. I'll give you until May to okay, write it correctly with the so. year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I respect that. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard somebody. It might have even been on a Seinfeld episode, and I think I think Jerry, <laughs> Jerry got dropped the Happy New Year, and it was like March or something yeah. like that. Um, that that's what made me ask you the question. Okay, so I have a couple other ones. I want your thoughts. There's two things. So there's there hasn't been much like huge news um yeah. recently outside of i mean the blake snell and you darvish to the san diego padres is the that's the that's the big that's what we got that's the biggest yeah. thing and i know that you and i uh, spending time with family and work schedules and everything like that you and i have unfortunately not been able to record as much as we would like so we weren't first on the scene or anything like that breaking news but quick thoughts um fantasy baseball impact uh on you yeah. darvish and blake snell looking at their NFBC ADP. So we, we need to start there first and foremost. So you sure. Darvish in consensus is going fifth, fifth overall, just in the starting pitcher department. And that comes with an ADP of 18, a min of 13 and a max of 26. And now his new teammate, Blake Snell, he's coming in at 52 with a min of 41 and a max of 60. I think that the wiggle room for you Darvish is going to be very tough to push up a little bit more. Um, but I don't think, you know, moving to a cooler team, right? They're, they're more fun. They're more exciting. The, that nasty brown and yellow um, is going to have people more excited than pitching for a Cubs team that we've already seen him pitch on. Even though what he did last year for the Cubs, people are paying for that, but they're more mm-hmm. excited in they're going to be excited. You know how it is. New, same face, new team. People, yep. you know, they lose their shit. And then on the, and then the other guy, Blake Snell. I think there is wiggle room, unfortunately, for him. And I think that on that wiggle room is only going to gravitate upwards. And that goes with leaving the AL, leaving the AL East, moving to a team. There's going to be question marks. People are going to, you know, think of their own thoughts. Well, now he's going to pitch more than five innings. He's going to get to go a third time through the order. Regardless of all those off, you know, the, the October takes that were happening and what we saw, Blake Snell's only going to go up, right? There's no there, – why would he be pushed down, health things aside? Um, his market is going to gravitate upwards. 
How are you looking at you, Darvish, and Blake Snell, and let's just say even at their current cost in ADP, are you yeah. in on either of them? And then if some of the, if either rise, um, are do you stay in? Yeah, so I think you know I, I talked with, on with Matt Williams about this, and and I think um, I've been pretty vocal. I'm very in on you, Darvish. Um, it's not like you can get more in because he's not breaking into the Garrett Cole, Jacob Degrom tier. I can easily, I think, make an argument or support you, Darvish, being either starting pitcher three or starting pitcher four overall, uh, with Lucas Giolito being up there as well. And if you take him ahead of, of Bieber, I have no issue with that as well. However, that being said, moving him from five to three isn't groundbreaking analysis. Um, I think the only thing that's going to be interesting to me is that the NL Central is going to be complete and utter garbage this year uh, from a lineup perspective. There's not going to be a whole lot of really good offenses. Um, you know, I think somebody like the Reds could end up winning the division at about 78 and 84 this year. There's just not a whole lot to worry about. So now that being said, it's not going to be like last year where you're primarily facing your own division along with, you know, the, the division opposite you in the American League. So it's not like, you know, Darvish was going to get to throw all of his starts against one division. Uh, Petco's a good park. I think people forget that. Uh, you know, we remember the really warm summer days where the wind's blowing out a zillion miles an hour at Wrigley. Wrigley is actually very pitcher friendly. It was actually in, in terms of park factor last year, according to ESPN, it was the most pitcher friendly park in all of baseball. Now that's a, a smaller sample size, but it's proven that way as well in recent years. But that being said, Darvish, it's a great move. He's been healthy since about, you know, middle of 2019. He's been absolutely brilliant. I have no issues. I... I like the move for Snell. Um, I think it's a very, obviously it's a very, very good baseball team. I think he's going to have an opportunity to rack up wins. I don't know that they're going to necessarily use him markedly different than the Rays do. Um, the thing I have for Snell, just from an overall fantasy perspective that, that made me nervous last year um, is just, if I'm anchoring a staff with him, it's kind of the uh, back and forth, Matthew, that we got in on Twitter with Clayton Kershaw. I, I know when I have Clayton Kershaw that I'm getting 150 to 160 brilliant innings. Now, when I think of a fantasy ace, you know, I probably lean more towards guys that are giving me between 180 to 200 innings. That being said, if I if I roster Clayton Kershaw, I'm pretty confident I'm getting some a, a brilliant form of that 150 to 160 innings. I am less confident that Blake Snell gives me 150 to 160 Clayton Kershaw innings. In fact, I don't think anybody gives you probably, you know, those level of innings besides Garrett Cole and, and Jacob deGrom. You're starting so my, to speak like an NFBC vet there. <laughs> well, my concern, I think, is just I think Snell's going to have some helium. I think that division is going to be the Dodgers and the Padres, and they're, they're gonna, it's going to be really fun to watch those two compete. I think Snell carries more risk. And so I think if you're rostering him in a format, I think he's a, a solid number two with plenty of upside there. I'd much rather have a guy like Kershaw as my ace and build my plan out that way than Blake Snell as my ace. I, I anticipate that people are going to be start drafting Blake Snell, especially in main event drafts. He's going to get pushed up higher and higher in that type of format. But for me, Matthew, it makes me a bit nervous. Um, I mean, you've got by far more main event experience than me. I mean, I have none. So you have all of the main event experience besides me. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. 
Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What are you thinking about Snell and where he goes? Just uh, looking at the gap right now. Um, well, for, side note real quick. You mentioned and you said plenty of good things about Clayton Kershaw. So hats off to you. I'm not going to be chasing after you on the Twitter streets. But um, <laughs> if you don't know yet, uh, if you do become somebody that is a naysayer of the GOAT, I will be coming after you. I will find you and I will learn who you are. Um <laughs> But anyways, I think Clayton Kershaw – so there's a gap here. So Clayton Kershaw is currently yeah. the 12th starting pitcher off the board. Yep. In between him and Blake Snell, you have Brandon Woodruff, Zach Gallen, Kenta Maeda, and Tyler Glass now. Now, as the season – or I'm sorry, the offseason progresses, there's going to be more articles. There's going to be more podcasts and, and just more Twitter talk. And as that goes on, I've heard just off the top of my head, um, thinking aloud, I've heard nothing but good things about Brandon Woodruff and Zach Gallen. So seeing or hearing or seeing those types of things initially makes me think, okay, their ADP will likely stick in that same realm. Then you go down to the next two, which are Kenta Maeda and Tyler Glass. Now I've actually heard not so much, um, you know, optimistic things on podcasts or reading or just looking at my own data. So uh, as a quick overall lazy perspective, I'm thinking, ah, okay, I could see both of those guys getting pushed down a little bit. Corbin Burns, somebody that we're actually going to be talking about today, is um, right after Blake Snell at pick 18 in regards to starting pitchers. He comes with a lot of question marks, and we'll dive into him when that time comes. But Blake Snell is that guy in between Corbin Burns and Tyler Glass now. What we saw from Blake Snell in 2020 after the question marks coming in or the health question marks and then seeing him succeed and then seeing a successful postseason in October and then the, the blemish being that he got pulled too early, or did he, right? We don't know right. the, We don't know the correct answer to that question. We can only go on data that would support, you know, historically what had happened before that. They are going to think that Blake Snell, for the most or not they, I'm saying fantasy players for the most part in consensus are likely going to think new team, new place. They yep. just took over this contract. We own the contract now. We're paying for him. Let's burn the motherfucker into the ground. Let's let him go. Let's let him rip. We're contending. Let's, you know, we've got Mike Clevenger now waiting in the wings for another year. 
Like they've got all this these bullets in their gun and in this ammunition, and I, I I fear that people are going to overly project potentially not an actual projection system, but people's in their minds or whatever they're you know putting down on paper that Blake Snell's now going to be pitching six or seven innings on average, and I just don't buy into that, especially because last year going into a short season. I was somebody thinking Chris Paddock was just going to go six or seven innings every single outing. And this was before. At the beginning of the year, he was pitching pretty well until we caught on to the pitch mix. And then grooving some of his pitches were just like the fastball was getting grooved. People were sitting on it. Yada, yada. The home run per fly ball rate goes up and everything crumbles. Right. And then we have a bad season from Chris Paddock. But I was in on him. I had a main event team that was pretty damn good with Zach Betancourt. And Chris Paddock was the SP2 on that team. And. After I had drafted that team, uh, Rob Silver had come out, and it wasn't because I had dra- we drafted this player. It was just something that he was saying on his own, and he had a fear of any starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres, the fear of lack of going deep into games because if you rewind going into 2020, they had Emilio Pagan, they had Kirby Yates, and they had they had yeah. this plethora, this just this orgasmic amount of bullpen pitchers and. Why why pitch a young pitcher deep into a game when you have this bullpen to go to? And I think that that is going to hold more water than people are looking at now going into 2021. I think the bullpen is going to be a little bit more replenished, and I think they're going to have that similar mindset. And they're going to have these starting pitchers like Chris Paddock, like Blake Snell. They're going to want them to go two times through the order, potentially into the sixth inning, and that might be it. And if that's the case with Blake Snell, you're going to be very hard pressed to, you know, I don't want like like uh, who is Deadpool hitter. I call him Roto Farmer, Rob DiPietro. It, well, let's not use the word value because we don't know the actual return on that investment yet. We don't. This is all hypothetical, which he's actually correct on. But value is an easy way to say things. How about I just say I don't think that he will return a profit on his current costs, And if he gets pushed up, I'm certainly going to be out on him. No, and I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair way to look at it. And you know, it may be one of those things where you know I'm I'm one year too late and I miss out on all the Blake Snell shares and he's an SP one. But like you said, I think when you look at that range, especially, you know, I, Kershaw, great. I, I like Brandon Woodruff a lot. I like Zach Gallon a lot. I have a lot of questions about how Kent Maeda's managed. I have a lot of concerns about Tyler Glass now. And like you said, we're going to talk about Corbin Burns. So. I can see in that range where maybe he goes up and the others come down. It'll just be kind of interesting to see how it plays out. Well, I know I know people are really scared to start ranking, projecting, talking about uh, relief pitchers, right? It's it's a clusterfuck. It's it's we don't know. Let's just grab all the paperwork that we've done and throw it into the air with our hands up. But if you were to grab a little patch and hook it up to an EKG machine to your your Mac desktop or your computer and stuck it to the NFBC ADP for starting pitchers, you're gonna see a, you're gonna see the same thing. Uh, you have Corbin Burns. We're gonna ask how many innings has he thrown? 140 in, in, in his like as his max. Sack Plesac. People love him. People hate him. There's question marks. Lance Lynn. Okay, we know what we're getting, but he's kind of sitting next to a Max Fried, another person that's completely different, a young starting pitcher that hasn't been maxed out in innings. So we see these high upsides like Max Fried and what they can do, but but. Are we concerned about the innings or do we need to grab historical data and throw that out the window? So taking 2020 into consideration, 
seeing everybody pitch almost an equal amount or an average towards the mean when it becomes a starting pitcher, that's not going to be the same as it was in 2018, 2017, 2016 historically. It's going to be completely different. And the average or the mean in regards to starting pitchers innings pitch is going to be much different. So people want to bitch and complain about like someone we're going to talk about Ian Anderson and I'm guilty of that. But then we can bring up somebody else like Max Fried, a teammate and say, yeah, well, you know, 140, 150 innings, that's what they're going to give you. But then they complain about somebody that's not going to give it to you, but maybe the mean isn't going to be so big, but then people want to over evaluate starting pitchers at the same time. Like, the guys at the top because they're going to give you the 220 plus innings this year, right? Yep. Shane Beaver's done it once in his career. Yeah. I'm just throwing them out. I, I'm not, I don't want to start into the Shane Beaver, just, but that's just an example. Like, but now we're going to throw that out the window because he pitched all the innings he could in a 60 game sample. And now we're guaranteeing 220 innings from Shane Beaver. So we're going to throw it there. We're going to push him up there. We've seen it from you, Darvish. So we're going to push him up there. We haven't seen it from Walker Bueller. But we're, we're drafting him. So I think what I'm trying to say is without biting on my tongue too much, we're all being very hypocritical. All of us, myself included, we are all being very hypocritical when we want to evaluate how many innings are being thrown. When you get past Lance Lynn, it goes max free. Okay. We haven't seen those innings. And then the next guy, get this, look at this. It just goes up and down, up and down. Sonny Gray. We have seen it. We have seen the workload. We have seen the innings. Carlos Carrasco, we've seen it, then we haven't. Denelson Lament, we haven't gotten there yet, but we've seen the upside. Steven Strasburg, we have seen it, but then we didn't in the shortened season. Now he's being thrown in with all these other question marks. And I'm not saying I know what I know what to do with Steven Strasburg. I know how to project Steven Strasburg. I know how the carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel surgery and the procedure and the healing process and how he's going to perform after. I don't know, but... If you look at the data here in front of you, we are being very hypocritical on when people are bashing health or risk or how many innings they're going to pitch. It's it's all a fucking mess. It's a mm-hmm. it's a bag of nuts, dude. It's a bag of nuts. And I think especially with we're all drafting now, like just because last year we saw success, pocket aces. Shout out to Toby, right? Now he gets to coin the term. Um, it was being done by a lot of people. I saw a lot of Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw teams early in 2015, 2016. That was a thing, um, but it wasn't popular yet. And it's now coined a term, and people are now seeing success on it, and they want to just dive in on it, and they want to be part of that. They have to have two starting pitchers within your first five rounds. If not, you're dust in, the, in a high-stakes NFBC league. That's like the thought right now. When you look at the ADP, that's how every team is being drafted for the most part. Not every team – but for the most part, a lot of people are going to want to attack that. The more we get towards live events, the more that's going to occur. I don't care. Where they're, where they're at right now is already pushed up. Where they're at right now is where they are usually in 2019, 2018, 2017 live events. That is the market that we're seeing right now in the winter. It's going to get pushed up more, but how? It will. Yeah. I don't know how, yeah. but it will. Yeah. I, I, no, I right. just have – I have huge concerns about the whole fucking market, and – People are thinking that we just need to map it out as get two of them, get two of them in your first five. That might not be, that might not necessarily be it. And I, and I might jump in and get two in the first five or three in the first five Yeah, that, you know, that, that time will come. But I just think that that we're, we're being very, very hypocritical when we're a when we're analyzing and digging into some of these pictures right now. 
because like even Zach Gallon, nothing but good things because we've seen nothing but good performances. But how many 200 plus innings have we seen? Yeah, but no. we're not knocking him, and I don't want yeah. to knock him because he's been fucking great. But we're gonna we're gonna knock somebody else, player X or Y, because he hasn't done it. But we're not gonna say that about Zach Allen. We're not gonna right. say that about Max Fried. We're not gonna say that about Ian Anderson. Yep, it's yep. not fair. It's not yep. fair. It's just I don't know. But but guess what? Guess who we are gonna say that about this year? We're gonna say that about Julio Urias. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What? You, (laughs) dude, come at me on Twitter, Braves, Braves Twitter. Julio Urias is way fucking better than Ian Anderson, and you're gonna (laughs) draft him. How many more picks ahead? Yeah, I ain't having it. No, even with Max Freed, same conversation. They're in the same. They're in the same wheelhouse, dude. But it's it's all hypocritical. It's all just how you want to view and evaluate each one right now, and it's wrong. It's all wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. Whoever's listening, I'm not talking. I'm I'm wrong. I'm trying to do this myself, and the process just is it's wrong right now for me at least. It's just it's just yeah. it it just goes back to that's why we don't draft live events right now. That's why you don't do a two thousand dollar draft in the early yeah. beginning of January. Yeah, I hear you. What about okay? Real quick before we dive into some of the guys that we were going to discuss, I want you to where's DJ LeMahieu going to sign? Um, the most recent Twitter talk, I know, I know he's been rumored to sign with everybody at this point, but the most recent talks are that he's actually in negotiations, um, which is a little bit more than we're accustomed to seeing at this point, but he's negotiating a little bit at, at, at what we know with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the plan is there's already a plan in, in place for him to play third base, not second base. So I know initially when the reports came out, I think it was John Morosi that first cracked that case. They said that, oh, you know, it was the Gavin Lux thread, Gavin Lux thread of, you know, well, another year for Gavin Lux. He's not going to be playing. He's not going to be second base. DJ LeMahieu is going to go there. But the talk is actually for the Los Angeles Dodgers to be putting DJ LeMahieu at third base. If that were to happen, Justin Turner is obviously ass out of L.A. And there's still some wiggle room for Gavin Lux or Max Muncy or whoever ends up playing second base for the Dodgers. But that's later on. If the Dodgers do sign DJ LeMahieu. I know that you have already discussed this with Matt William and you had some negative takes on DJ LeMahieu. Not that you don't like him, but current cost is a thing and how much you have to pay for his repertoire. And I know that you've already dug into DJ LeMahieu. So on our own podcast, would signing with the Dodgers change your your outlook or your 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 thoughts on him or where are you at on him now? Um, just in general. Yeah. Um, good segue. Uh, um, he, I, I'm probably still out at just at the current cost. I think it's, I mean, the ADP is just really high. The, the min has not been crossed yet. His min pick was 17. Um, I just feel like, you know, I think LeMay, he was probably one of the best pure hitters in all of baseball. Um, and I think one thing that we saw last year with Mookie Betts moving to Dodger stadium, which some people speculated was, you know, if you drive the ball back through the box and go to center field, that's huge to your advantage. And Mookie Betts actually does that quite a bit, and he enjoys some great numbers in the shortened season. DJ LeMahieu has fully taken advantage of that right center gap in the Yankee Stadium. And as you look at kind of what his numbers were, he hit 29 home runs in 2019, but that was probably a bit overinflated. Now, 
The interesting thing is I think his swing is tailorable to whatever park he plays in. And I could see him using that center of the field again and, and using that to, adva- to his advantage. I just struggle with a guy that isn't going to give you much in the speed department. I don't know that he's going to repeat a 29 homer season. Um, I think he's probably more closer to, let's say, a 20 homer season. But interestingly, if he does go to the Dodgers, you know, one of the reasons I loved and wanted shares of, you know, a, a guy like Max Muncy, maybe even an Edwin Rios, Will Smith, is that lineup is going to be fantastic yet again, right? Um, and if LeMahieu presumably slots somewhere in the middle of that order, I don't know how it would be constructed if he signed there, but I think know, he would fall- get second. Uh, okay. And me being a yeah, it would go Mook. It would go Mookie. Mookie and then, D- um, DJ Corey Seager. Or or they would go Mookie Seager Lemayhew. I think it's so, it, Lemayhew and Seager would flip flop one or the other. So that'd be an unbelievable spot to bat in the lineup, right? So I think that's a huge boon to his value, and you could see another hundred hundred season from him again. So um, it's not that I don't love Lemayhew, which is what you said. Um, I, I think he's a great hitter. I just have a hard time with him going on average at the two, three turn in a main event type of draft. What about you? I'm in agreement and you know, I'm a Dodgers Homer. So his current NFBC ADP and I actually push mine. I, I like to only go through the recent month because so much has happened. So these DCs started in late October and then they really ramped up at the beginning of November. And so, um, some people might be looking at the NFBC draft champions ADP from November until current, but I pushed it up a month and, DJ, DJ LeMahieu is currently going at 31 with a min of 19, and which is early second round, and a max of 43. So he's not leaving the third round. I mean, he's just not. And I get, I'm, I'm actually one of my, one of my, I guess what I like to build my teams off of is trying to find players that can produce 200 plus in counting stats and whatever else you know, is just basically gravy on the, on top of that. And if they are producing 200 plus in counting stats, that's because they're in a good lineup and they're in the the heart of it. They are hitting one, two or three. And so if he's going to continue providing that, my ears do perk up. However, I do not believe that there is a ceiling or even an average, um, when it comes to the power department, I don't know if he's going to be an average going into 2021. Let's say the average, the league average is 20 or 19. I'm not sure that he he eclipses that. So now he's below average in home runs. What if he's sub 10 in stolen bases, which I'm I'm assuming he's going to be coming into um, another season, and the the stolen bases have just been on the decline for quite a while now, actually since 2016. Um, now what you get, let's say hopefully five stolen bases and below average in home runs. Yes. You get an elite batting average, which is amazing. And then your 200 plus counting stats. That is awesome. But I just don't know if I want to pay for that in the third. And I think it's maybe what I'm looking for in the third. Am I looking for my second SP two? Um, what if, what if, what if you're a pocket aces, um, person in your Toby, let's say, and you went. I don't even know who the pitchers would be. Let me look real quick. Let's say you went Lucas Giolito and Luis Castillo one two on the turn, or you yep. Darvish and you Darvish and Lucas Giolito to start your team, and somehow at pick forty four a new Max arose and you have those two hitters. Is your first hitter going to be DJ LeMahieu? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the person your first hitter should be, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. 
Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I just maybe it's maybe that's the problem with me. Maybe maybe his boringness and I'm okay with boring players. I I like to draft them a lot, but I think I like to draft them a little bit later um, and 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 to hold that floor over the ceiling. I just don't think in the third round and top 45 picks when looking at things that he's going to be somebody that's in my in on my target list. I just don't think he's going to be there. I I, I don't think I'm going to see him regardless of who goes. Can I just have Anthony Rendon or Rafael Devers? Yeah. Yeah. Please. I, I, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Fuck. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how other way to say it. And that's kind of the way I draft. That's not that I'm a Hall of Famer already or anything, but I've had some success. And the way I think I find my success is eliminating some things that I don't want to overpay for. And yep. and the the less the less mistakes you make, and that's the crazy way to look at it because DJ LeMahieu is not a mistake, but you just the, your puzzle fits together better, and you don't have yep. as many missing pieces when you just it, we all construct rosters differently. And I think the way that I construct things, I don't think that he would be my my first hitter for one, and then yeah, the lack in power and stolen bases is a concern for me. The, the the average is the one thing that does with the counting stats perks my ears, but. I can get – we're going to talk about some people even uh, outside of the top 200. I don't think we're going to get 200-plus like DJ LeMayu, but close to um, in counting stats. And as as the offseason goes on, I, I think that I think that some of these hitters that are going a little bit later, we're going to realize where they're hitting in lineups, and they're going to be those 200-plus um, counting stats contributors as well and, and – it always goes. That's, this is why starting pitching gets pushed up, Matt. When you show up in the ballroom, in a conference room, in Las Vegas on Saturday morning, and you hear these starting pitchers' names get thrown way up, you're going to realize why. And it's it's just the fucking law of gravity in the NFBC. And I think DJ LeMahieu's going to be um, part of that. He's part yeah. of that equation. So Sure. Yeah. And, and that goes—that's even if he's hitting second or third in the Los Angeles style. I don't give a fuck if where if he's hitting on Mars. I don't care. I, you know, at, well, what if he's hitting at Coors? We saw that. Okay, thank you. Come yeah. again. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. He's had. 
you saw his best two seasons, and they were the last two years, even if he signs back in New York. I don't think – do not, do not – this is the last thing. Do not extrapolate and go, he hit 10 home runs in a 60-game in a season. He's going to hit 30. He's going to have 120 runs, and he's going to have over 100 uh, RBI with nine stolen bases and a 364 batting average. You're a lunatic and should not be playing fantasy baseball if that's what you're doing. Just don't. <laughs> Just fucking don't. And maybe that's not that that's not what people are doing when they draft him. But I mean, is is his ADP right now a lazy approach to looking at what he's supposed to do in 2021? Yeah, especially think- especially like can he go can he sign with the Mets? Yeah. Is that a place that's is that yeah. a I know he's been rumored all kinds of spots. So right. we don't know where he's going. I mean, that could have a bad even worse impact on especially right. when you. You know, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Okay. Enough about, uh, I guess, you know, yeah, that is a good segue. You said it was a good segue, and I just realized. So we just discussed DJ LeMayhew. He's actually one of the one of the top 100 people that Matt and I um, were out on in the top 100. We think that he could provide – he's going at the ADP we mentioned before, 30, 17, 43, and – we think that he could potentially provide a season or Matt, you're the one that wrote him up. So I'm going to let you just real quick capitalize and put the cherry on top on Gigi LeMahieu just real quick. Sure. He, yeah, that, I mean, he was the first person in the article and I, I kind of scoffed over that, but no, um, you're fine. We're no, both out fine. on to put it like, yeah, yeah, no, I think the biggest thing to remember with him is, you know, I think the coolest thing that you can go on at, at baseball savant is that they do give you some, and it certainly is not gospel, but you you can look at and understand, um, you know, where would they go? And a guy like LeMahieu, who could be playing in a different ballpark, we can see that um, his expected home run rate was significantly lower, as at about, about 20. And so when you combine that with a pretty low barrel rate, you know, I think he's going to be great in multiple categories. I just can't, to your point, I can't pay for that power speed combo because I don't there's there's not a lot of speed and I think the power could go down significantly to the point where he's average to slightly below average so I'm out um I like him a lot uh I hope he signs at a good park because I I think he's really fun hitter to watch but uh too rich for my blood I think it's safe to say he's going to be a better real life player in 2021 yep yep totally fair totally fair. All right, it's my it's my turn to crap on someone. And yeah. I'm honestly not sure how the consensus is on this person. I haven't heard much um throughout the industry on Eugenio Suarez. We have an ADP of 88, a min of 69, nice, and a max of 141. So on average, Eugenio Suarez is going in the 6th round. People are enamored. They're they're paying in for 40 plus home runs, 100 plus RBIs. And what else? And that's the question marks that I have. And so for me, that initially is just going to have me out, especially because we have batting average concerns. We saw plate discipline concerns in 2020. Yep. The the 2020 season when starting on time, Eugenio Suarez was going to miss time. He had to have shoulder surgery. And then the season got delayed. He was able to come back, and he actually played ev- literally every single game. He played 60 games for the for the Cincinnati Reds. So I think that initially seeing the volume alone is going to have people um, ignoring anything that had happened prior to him. But there was a shoulder injury, and there was a shoulder surgery that was done. And I think that for a power hitter, I think that's something that I do want to continue to take notes of. And that's going to be 
you know, part of my process when evaluating Eugenio Suarez. And now when you, when you compile, what are you going to hope for? Are you, are you hoping and praying for like a 260 average, 250? What if we see something that's been closer to his XBA of 246, and that's been since 2016? So now we have a three season, a full three seasons of sample size plus the 60 game season in 2020 of an expected batting average of 246. You're, so you're not getting batting average from Eugenio Suarez, and we're now seeing him swing out of out of the zone more and more. Yeah. That continues to just increase. It, it was spiked up to 12.2 last season. I, I'm concerned. I think. I think. I think you need – I think that there's a possibility and a potential for him to pay off that price. Yes, I agree. In the sixth round, if you get 40-plus home runs, you get 100, 100 RBIs, 80 runs, and a 250-plus average. I think it's fine. I think that you can get there. However, when looking at other player profiles, I feel like you can get somebody very similar way later, like way, way later, and – there's also been rumblings of trade talks on Eugenio Suarez. What happens if you take him out of Citizens Bank ballpark and you put him somewhere else? Yeah. I, I don't think that the home run rate and home run per fly ball rate goes up. I think yeah. the plate discipline is obviously the track record of plate discipline is is it's not it's not handsome. So why are we paying a sixth round? Are you and I have I honestly we haven't even talked about him. I honestly have no clue how you feel about Eugenio Suarez, which is great. But I myself <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. get the I don't get the enamor. Um no, and I think I'm, that it's too rich. Yeah. Yeah, I won't I won't belabor the point because quite frankly, I'm I'm in the same spot that you are. Um I think there are serious concerns. He had almost a fifty percent strikeout rate against curveballs last year, um, which is just I mean, don't get me wrong. It's going to naturally be higher for a lot of hitters. Um, it's significantly uh, up for him. And maybe that was the, sh- maybe that was the shoulder. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's a lot of things, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really nervous um, about Suarez. And so, you know, I think at that point in the draft, I think there's guys on his own team um that are really interesting. I think Moustakas, I think Nick Castellanos, I think those guys are probably going a little bit underrated, but Suarez for me, for all the points that you mentioned, I, I'm out in 2021. If anybody wants to slide into my DMs and make some sort of wager on rotisserie value, I would be willing to bet, and third base is fucking deep, so don't give me positional value or any of the, the depth or lack thereof. Randall Gritchick is going to absolutely smash Eugenio Suarez in 2021. Yeah. Like, absolutely smash. And and we're not here to talk about Randall Gritchick, but, um, yeah, the dude had his coming out party last year, and he's going to be ready to thump this year. And, and, and that just goes to show you he's an outfielder. Outfielder's deep. When you're drafting five outfielders, outfielder is – outfield is not as deep as you might think. And he's going, like, pick 180-something, 190. Um, that's over 100 – or over twice the amount of picks so 90 yeah. plus picks more and you can get a player that i'm i'm honestly like i'm not just bullshitting spitting out hot takes truly believe randall gritchick can give you just it's very similar to what eugenio suarez can do if not even better and then when you tack on um the team context with the toronto blue jays the baby jays and what they're doing right now and where gritchick's stable uh stapled into the lineup i'm i'm very confident in that so um, I'm not going to be spending a top 100 pick on Eugenio Suarez, and it sounds like you're not either, Matt. 
Nope. So we've just we've discussed DJ LeMahieu and Eugenio Suarez, two players that we feel that are going inside the top 100. We think that there's a pretty good potential that they might go outside of the top 100 when it comes to rotisserie value at the end of the season of 2021. We have two pitchers to talk about, and we're going to dive into yours first. And it is Corbin Burns, NFBC ADP of 54 with a min pick of 40 and a max pick of 72. I'm going to give you the floor. Yeah. Uh, You know, I was a Corbin Burns owner a lot of places last year, and certainly um, that worked out pretty well. But we were drafting Corbin Burns last year um, on the flip side in the, you know, 180 to 220 range. This year, I just have all kinds of concerns with Corbin Burns. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I think the skill set is outstanding on Burns. Obviously, we saw what he can do. Um, but I think there's some fair there's some fair things to be worried about. Um, you know, he we haven't seen – you know, I talked a lot earlier about Clayton Kershaw on 150 innings being that threshold. We've actually never seen Corbin Burns go over um, 145 innings. Uh, that was back in 2017. He's never gone over 120 innings in any season since then. And he's made a combined 33 starts. Um, the other thing I think I have an issue with Matthew is, and while I like, I love Burns a lot, um, he had a 10% walk rate. And so to me, that's the red flag of where we want to start to shy away and get a little bit nervous on. Um, and so, I mean, you look at things like he's going to pitch in Miller park, which is pretty juicy from a home run factor perspective. If he's walking guys and giving up the long ball, this just could be a recipe for disaster that uh, at the current cost, he's an SP one. So I'm fading Corbin Burns with a min pick of 40 so far. How about you? Are you in or out on Burns in 2021? In this economy, in this economy? No, thank you. (laughs) I can't afford that. That's too much. (laughs) <laughs> um, we've got, we've got $600 stimulus checks coming out that ain't going to buy you Corbin Burns. So yeah, no, I don't care how many of those you got. I'm, I'm, I'm out on Corbin Burns as well. You re, you reiterate the home run fly home run per fly ball rate, the walk rate, the rock, the walk rate's not getting any better either. Um, is it might be getting worse and in a 162 game season with question marks on how deep he's going to be able to go with 140 plus being his max do we see 160 170 that would be great but i i just i you're paying you're paying the, for the ceiling in a shortened season and everything was perfect for him last year and I, you took advantage of that. I know that you and Brian Vogel had him, I believe, in the team that you had Lucas Giolito yep. and Shane, Shane Beaver. So look at that team. That finish, that was a top five finish overall um, in the NFBC World of Wire Online Championship. And you would be biased or you would think that you would be biased to being ready to jump right back in yeah. on Corbin Burns. But that's not yeah. the case. And well, I, just, I, think, I, think, I think that's where you take shots. And you taught me a little bit of that too last year. If you think about your roster, you want to take shots on those guys – that are in that late round, but I'm not paying for that in the first 50 picks. I mean, that just seems crazy. Maybe I'm oversimplifying the equation, but it's too expensive for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to miss out. I'm not sure. Are you you peeing right now or washing your hands? No, getting getting some more water. (laughs) I'm peeing and getting some water at the same time. Are you taking a piss or getting some water? Okay. Um, okay, so yeah, long story short. Words coming out of my mouth. I need some water. Sorry about that. Corbin, you're good. 
Corbin Burns, um, I I think that he's uh, a little bit too pricey for both of us, especially yeah. especially in this economy. Okay, bargains outside the top 200. Um, one of mine, I actually want to go back into pitcher real quick because yeah. after looking at the ADPs of all four pitchers, we're gonna um, or four players. I'm sorry, we're gonna talk about Eliezer Hernandez of the Miami uh, Marlins. Davey Garcia of the New York Yankees, Mark Canna of the Oakland A's, and Rowdy Telez of the Toronto Blue Jays. I looked at all four of the ADPs, and going in an inverse, Davey Garcia is the one with the with the lowest, and that's 322. That's an average of, I believe, around 23. Um, I'm sorry, 22 of of an NFBC main event. So this would be. Um, right before your last pick and before the reserve round draft picks, Davey Garcia is coming into his 22 age season. He's already logged. He's actually logged, which people they're going to be lazy about. He's logged the same amount of max innings as um, the Corbin Burns. So people are going to be concerned about that. I'm assuming is why his ADP ADP is so low. The current rotation for the New York Yankees is anchored by Garrett Cole. But then it's Jordan Montgomery, who has had injury question marks on his own, Davey Garcia, Michael King, and Domingo Herman. None of these guys have 150-plus innings pitched in their profile outside of Garrett Cole. Sure, the New York Yankees can add one or two arms, a veteran arm as well, stretch out the bullpen. But we've seen the pedigree, and we saw how they started to use Davey Garcia coming down the stretch in a playoff run, in a World Series run. Are you in in the 22nd round? It, I mean, everyone's looking for pitching at that point. I mean, we're looking at it in the first and second and third round. I'm not saying he's going to provide that value, but is this a type of pitcher and a pitcher profile that you're looking at? I know people had concerns about his walk rate coming into the majors, and then the fucking guy puts up a 4.1% walk rate in 2020. I don't think that that does stick, but I think that he is going to be successful. They have a new pitching coach coming in, Matt Blake. He has uh, – Davey Garcia does have a four-pitch mix, and he used the fastball a lot, and it got hurt in the minors. It got hurt in the majors, and then when you tacked on in the minors the walk, the, the terrible walk rate with that fastball rate getting hit, it was bad. But then he brought down the walk rate, and the fastball didn't get hit as much. I do have concerns about the walk rate getting hit, but what happens if they increase the slider curve and change? So I think that there's upside when you include the pedigree and the need of pitching in New York, where are you at on this? Yeah, I mean, I like Davey Garcia a lot. I would tell you, I was, uh, I actually liked him quite a bit last year and got burned on a couple of pretty poor starts uh, that were kind of confusing. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I do like him. I think the pedigree is there. Um, I'm really curious what the Yankees are going to do from a catching situation. And Matthew, I don't know if you have more insight on that or not. But the less Gary Sanchez caught, the better their pitchers seem to be. Um, I'm going to butcher what I think is the catcher's name. Is it Kyle Higiosha? Is that right? Higioshi? Um, uh, yeah. So you're, he's awesome. Um, Kyle Higashioka. He's, he's uh, awesome. Higashioka, yeah. That, that, and it, there was some weird like narrative going around every time he caught Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole would pitch great. And then he would fucking hit a home run. Um, I don't know the depth of all of that, but yeah, we know that we know that Mike Zanino. I'm sorry, I mean Gary Sanchez. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, <laughs> isn't, yeah, what we all thought he was going to be. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do there, to be honest with you. But I do know that there has been praise from Garrett Cole, and I almost want to say that Garrett Cole would like prefer Higashioka as his catcher, um, similar to Clayton Kershaw with Austin Barnes. Um, So we'll see with that. But if there's some sort of it's it's tricky. It's very tricky with catchers, to be honest with you, because you can look at somebody like Yasmani Grandal. And say that he's great. He's a great pitch framer. He can do this and that. And then you look at data with Lucas Giolito pitching to James McCann. Lucas Giolito is a better pitcher with James McCann behind the dish. Um, so it's it's all I don't know. I don't yeah. want to get too too much into that. But yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was gonna. Say, I think I, I think, think Kyle Chiluka is a better catcher. Yeah, and I think that the uh, they seem to respond pretty well to Higashioka when he was behind the plate. And all, so all my point is I'm willing to take the dart throw on him, especially given the price. Um, I think that he's really interesting to own. Garcia's got just a beautiful curveball. If you actually watch him throw, he's got just a, a gorgeous increase, stuff. Increase it, increase it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, dude. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. He didn't throw yeah. any of that. Like everything was sub 20%, obviously with a four pitch mix. His, his fastball was basically 60%. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and maybe what if, hey, short season, we're concerned about your control, we're concerned about your walk rate, throw more fastballs, get the ball over the plate, be aggressive. And he doesn't have a high velocity. He's not a hard, hard-throwing pitcher. But maybe that was in the, the first step to the next step of increasing the usage of that nasty curveball that you're talking about. And yeah. so if we can put some of these pieces together, he's – very young, and and I will admit, the worst case scenario is he starts in the rotation. You draft him in the twenty first round or the twenty twentieth round. Let's say he gets pushed up a couple rounds, come a live event or come early March, and he gets cut after a few starts or not cut. I'm sorry, thrown back to the minors. That's the worst case scenario. There is a worst case scenario. He's young. He's raw. But there is, at this point in a draft, that's kind of the shots that you have to take if you want to win some of these overall events. And so yeah. that's why I wanted to mention him. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Let's talk about your pitcher, Eliezer Hernandez of the Miami Marlins. Will you please tell us why you think that he, while he's currently going outside of the top 200 in NFBC ADP, his ADP is currently 264 with a min of 230 and a max of 333. Why are you willing to take a shot on him, and why do you think he yeah. could be finishing inside the top 100? Yeah, I like a lot about uh, Hernandez from last year. Um, you know, the the cost is pretty cheap, and it's a really interesting rotation. I think, you know, I think uh, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez are going to get, along with Sixto, are going to get the majority of the attention. Um, now, the sample size was small last year, 
But I think the biggest thing is Hernandez has uh, uh, just a, a beautiful walk rate. And I think that's actually been something he's been consistent with throughout his career. Um, it's part of the reason why his Sierra was so low at 3.17. So I know when you see a small in- inning sample size that you shouldn't take a ton away from that. And I totally get it. But I, I think there's some legit gains that he's got here. Um, and so then when you look at, you know, he's got a 13.2% swinging strike rate on that slider, which basically – you know, nobody could hit. I'm willing to take shots on guys like him and Davey Garcia uh, super late because I think I think that Marlins rotation, you know, part of it's based on talent, but part of it's based on what they've got cooking down there, kind of like Cleveland's rotation. I think there's something going on there and they're 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 feeding off each other, they're liking each other a bunch. JT Real Muto had a quote and I was trying to find it and I couldn't dig it back up. Um, but it was one of the reasons he actually wanted to stay in Miami was he went down to double A for a rehab assignment. And was blown away by the arms they had in that rotation. And Hernandez was part of that rotation along with Pablo Lopez. Uh, You have the late Jose Fernandez that was down there. I mean, just an unbelievable set of arms that this team has. So I'm excited about Hernandez. I don't think that the cost is extremely prohibitive. A max pick of 333. So clearly, you know, there's going to be some folks that are out on him. But he's an arm I definitely keep an eye on, especially if he can win a rotation spot. I love it. I love it, Matt. Um, so the the rotation is shaped out to be Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, who's getting a lot of love and helium already throughout the industry, yeah. Eliezer Hernandez, Sixto Sanchez, who's being drafted ahead of him, um, and Trevor Rogers, who we actually saw. He's the only lefty in the rotation as of mm-hmm. now. And we actually saw some strikeout upside from, from Trevor Rogers. Y- you're right. They do have um, they do have sex appeal. And I I'm, I'm buying in first and foremost, anytime I can see, and I know it's only 25, I think it was 25 and a third or two thirds innings, a 27.4% K minus walk rate. I'm uh, the alarms are ringing for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Okay. So then you want then you want to start to look at, well, what is, how, what did he increase? What is he decreasing? Um, this, the, the walk rate has steadily been going down. The K rate's been steadily going up each and every year. The FIP, the XFIP, the the Sierra, I mean everything. Everything that you want to see is continuously going down. The home run per fly ball rate is somewhat concerning, but it's not it's not egregious and it's not something that you need to be worried about, especially in the park that right. he pitches in, being in Miami. I think that some of that might fare well for him, being that he's a change up pitcher. I think that that's part of part of the mix. And mm-hmm. he actually he actually decreased um the changeup mix a little bit in 2020, and I don't know if that was the home run fly ball rate went down just a just a tinge um, as well, and I'm not sure if those two are correlating with each other, but that potentially could be a thing that's happening there. And I know they're under new management. They have the first female GM, and she used to work in the Los Angeles Dodgers organize, organization, and I think that they're on the horizon of doing great things. Um, just as a, as a, as an organization alone, I know that we like to crap on them and talk about all the fire cells that they've had, but they're gone. That management and ownership is gone. It's a new home. It's led by a new team. And I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued. Actually. I really yeah. like that you brought him up. I think that was, this was honestly a really good call. I think, um, late in drafts, when you're drafting somebody like this, you're going to look back on your team and go, Fuck, man, look at this pitching staff I built. And you're going to say your first ace, your second ace, and the third guy, and then be like, but look at him, Eliezer Hernandez. He's like my number four now, or you know, yeah. maybe even maybe even a decent number three. Um, 
you know, get, uh, potentially. And that's all that's all given up back to going back towards the mean. The only concern with him would be the innings. Um, he, yep. he is he is a big, big, big innings pitched um, yep. liability here. But we don't know for sure, being that it was a short season for Miami's uh, the, their organization, how many innings and what they're planning on doing with their starting pitchers. Are they going to be aggressive? Are they going to be less aggressive? How are they going to fulfill those innings if they're going if they're not going to be aggressive with those pitchers like Elias or Hernandez and Pablo Lopez and Sixto Sanchez? So that's kind of an unknown, but we don't know how they're going to manage and control that. Yeah. And so yep. I wouldn't. I think that the ADP and everything baked in is fair enough. So I'm, I'm with it, especially if they do let the reins loose. Yeah. Hitters, two hitters. Um, Rowdy Telez, he's one of them, and Mark Cannon is the other. They're both going outside of uh, top 200, and we think that they could provide a top 100 in NFBC ADP value. Rowdy Telez, ADP of 255, min of 207, a max of 346. I'm honestly not sure what I'm missing here. So if I were to pull up the NFBC ADP for first base, I think it's bleak. I think it's bland. I think it needs more salt. And I don't know how to attack it if you're not getting somebody or overpaying. I think that some of the pit players up top, you're overpaying for. The guys in the middle, I think that you're rushing for as well. And then you kind of hit a little sweet spot. There's a few guys that I like. Max Muncy I like, Alec Baum, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, boring, blah, but I do like him. I think that where he's going could be fine. Mike Moustakis is another person. Then you get guys like Eric Hosmer, Jake Cronenworth, Ryan Mountcastle, Jared Walsh, Reese Hoskins. Um, the list goes on and on and on, and we just – there's question marks. There's question marks with all of them. Number 25, the 25th first baseman currently going in an NFBC – is Rowdy Telez, and I'm confused as to why. I'm pretty sure the full-time job is going to be his. Now, he is a left-handed hitter. People have concerns about left-handed hitters getting full-time jobs unless you're extremely elite. He's actually been better against left-handed pitching instead of right-handed pitching. He owns a 318 Woba, 198 ISO, 41% hard hit rate. The offense is – we talked about Ryan, uh, Randall Gritchick a little bit earlier. Teoscar Hernandez is also booming. Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Vladimir Guerrero. So they have this big, huge 6'4", 255 first baseman that can hit from both sides of the plate, has decent plate discipline, and we're going to ignore it. And I'm not sure why. Everything is starting to trend up. The walk rate's going up. The strikeout rate's going down. Hard hit rate's stable. He's like 80th percentile and all of your all you nerds and you pull up your stat cast data and all of that stuff. He's he's right there with it. He's decent. He's plenty good in it. Why is he going so late? Why? Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I think maybe it could be because he's a bit unproven. Um, uh, but aren't but, a lot of these guys? Oh, like, uh, yeah. Like, yes, like, yes, like yes. Jared yes. Walsh, Ryan Mountcastle, yeah. Jake Cronin, yeah. unproven, unproven, unproven. Alec yeah. Bohm, who we both I'm assuming like Dominic Smith. Unproven, unproven. I mean, even like, yeah, I, I understand liking Luke Voigt and I'm fine liking him, but like how much, how much, when you take 2019 in a full season and then just that short 2020 and that's all you're looking at, I don't know, man. I mean, you're still not proven to me, right? Yeah, it's, no, I get it. I get I, it. And I think there's a lot to like though. I think you highlighted all the, I mean, big picture. I think the biggest thing for me is we have such a hard time with folks that have extreme splits especially lefty lefty and he doesn't have those so i'm in i like 
I like where he's at. I like where he's hitting in that lineup. I think he could do some real damage there. Um, I, I like it. I'm going to take advantage of it for sure, especially if I can get him to play my corner. He's the exact kind of guy I want that could pop and provide some major power in that spot. Can we have him over Jake Cronenworth 100 picks later, please? Yeah. All I right. Think so. Last guy, Mark Canner, real quick. He's your guy. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I think I leave boring his fan club. Boomer, boring old boomer. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> Go sure. Go ahead. Real, real quick, preach and we'll get no, out of here. No, uh, you know, I think the thing with him is, you know, uh, 15% walk rate last year, which probably a whole lot of people don't know. Um, 9.5% walk rate for his career. He was over 13% in 2019. So, I, I mean, I think that's um, – he clearly has a pretty discerning batting eye. I think the biggest thing is – you know, when you're getting to the end of that lineup and you're really trying to fill out your starters, um, you're, you're going to want to average for the most part, 20 to 25 home runs, uh, in your starting lineup per position. And so he's a guy to me that I don't think he's going to hit 30 to 35, but I do think he's a very bankable 20 to 25 with probably a sneaky five to 10 steals. And so I, I think people like, you know, Ramon Laureano, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, they're the ones that are all going to get the attention. Um, for me, I, I, I like all those guys actually this year. I'm a little nervous about Chapman and the hip surgery, um, but I think Canha continues to go underowned uh, and undervalued, and, I, and I'm fine rolling with him as an outfield four, outfield five uh, type. I totally get it if you want to take a shot on guys that maybe have a little bit more upside, but I think he's a very stable asset that you can own. Um, and it'll be another really good Oakland lineup in my opinion, even with most likely Marcus Semyon uh, going somewhere else. There's one thing I'd like to actually mention on him real quick is the ISO. It was down in 2020 to 162, but yeah. previous or that we saw 244 and 200. So I think that the power could maybe even, especially if the plate discipline continues to get better, as you mentioned, that walk rate went as a career nine and a half walk, uh, 9.5% walk rate went from 13 and a half in 2019, which was a full season to 15.2 in the shortened season of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the ISO goes back up. If you're going to start seeing the ball better like that and the hard hit rate sitting around 40%, um, I like the team context. I think that that offense still provides plenty of firepower, and I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good team. Today. I don't like that. What's that? We didn't disagree today. I don't like that. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I can try to make up some stuff. No, I mean I I just I think there's a lot of I think that's the most interesting part of this right now is that we get to see some interesting values. I'm sure we will disagree. Uh, in the future on some things, but for the most part, no, I mean, I hate to, I hate to say it, but I mean, the guys, especially that you highlighted that are upside plays really for me, uh, if there's one takeaway for me, Rowdy Telez is the guy that I'm probably going to be very overweight on shares wise. And I'm really excited for it. So Uh, real quick on that, like in comparison to Eugenio Suarez, like really, would you be fucking stunned if Rowdy Telez had the better statistics on the back of the baseball card next year or this year? No. I'm sorry. In 2021. No. How about this? Would you be surprised if I told you at the end of the year that Rowdy Telez hit 35 home runs? I, I legitimately would not be surprised. I, I wouldn't even like, I'm not like, Oh my God, there's no way I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that, he's got that it. team is going to be, uh, and they're playing in Buffalo. And, and you know what? I, I will say too, like, there's guys, and we're not going to get too deep into it, but there's guys that I'm really not drafting that are being overdrafted right now in that lineup, but 
there are some valuable pieces to be yeah. had. I think the whole lineup in general in real life is going to be great. Yep. So it's just good. depending on who you get yeah. in that lineup and how yeah. much you're paying for them. Yeah. Good, good. You know, Max Muncy. Good. Yeah. yeah. Matt, like Max Muncy for the Dodgers. You want a piece of that offense. We all do. Right. Yeah. Let's not Absolutely. overpay though. Yeah, for sure. It's all about what you're paying. And exactly. Exactly. You know, fit the roster construction without going broke and you might have a good team on your hands. Okay, um, real quick, uh, Matt, is there anything going on for you before we get out of here? You can follow Matt, by the way, um, on Twitter at uh, Matt Cupferly. It's M Cupferly, K U P F E R L E. And I'm on Twitter at Maddie underscore, Maddie Wood underscore. What are, you, what are you working on? Yeah, I've got a couple pieces in the hopper over at Numberfire, uh, just trying to get a couple things going. I'm really doing kind of similar to what we just talked about today, uh, Matthew, looking at over and undervalued players and really the pockets that are getting noticed in the draft. Uh, so I got a couple of those pieces coming out um, outside of that, just really kind of getting more and more of the draft data back and, and getting excited and looking forward to that. And I'm going to give a little tease. I know you're working on an Ozzy Albies piece that I'm really excited. And I voted in your poll on Twitter. So um, I'm looking forward to that piece that you're working on. Yeah. So that'll be coming out uh, this upcoming week. And I, I just wanted to get a glimpse of how other people are thinking about a certain player. And that per, that player is Ozzy Albies. He's enamoring and he's elusive. And I, I've been just diving in and digging pretty deep on this guy and looking into things. And I have a piece that's going to come out at ftnfantasy.com and that'll be available for free for everybody to read. And It'll have all, all sorts of different takes in it, but it'll have some concrete data as well. And um, the players that we did discuss, I want to mention that we actually did put more data and information on a, on a scratch pad, and we put it out into an article form. We're going to spit that on over to our editor soon. So the players that we did discuss today in Eliezer Hernandez, Mark Canna, Davey Garcia – Rowdy Telez, Corbin Burns, DJ LeMayhew, Ian Anderson, and Eugenio Suarez. There will be an article uh, available for you to read with some more data to back up some of our thoughts and our opinions on those players. And that will be available as well at ftnfantasy.com. Please feel free to tweet us at any time. We love talking to you guys. And we will be back sometime next week. So thank you guys so much, and Happy New Year. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast with the two Mats. Please rate, subscribe, and review the podcast, and we hope you listen again soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.